Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey folks, and welcome to the Typology Podcast, the show on which we explore the story of you through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we are thrilled to have you here. We love our peeps. Before I get to our guest, a reminder to grab Ian's brand new book, The Story of You, if you haven't already got it. It's available everywhere fine books are sold, as well as Ian read his own Audible version, and that's available in multiple places as well. Hey, today's guest, this is a great episode because we have a three who rolls in here and gets really vulnerable, really, really special, and it's going to be so helpful to all of you who are listening. I am talking about professional blogger, keynote speaker, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, Pat Flynn. He is, of course, host of the Smart Passive Income and Ask Pat podcast, multiple award winner, featured in publications such as New York Times and Forbes. And anytime we can get under the hood with an Enneagram 3 who's willing to come in and be vulnerable, it's super helpful for us all because we all know threes. A lot of us work with and for threes. So you're in for a treat today. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. Let's get on with the show. And now, without any further ado, here is our host, Ian Crumb. Pat Flynn, Enneagram 3, welcome to Typology. Thank you for having me. It is a delight. And as I said, uh, just prior to recording, uh, I can't believe that this is the first time we are actually speaking to one another, given how many mutual friends that we have. I know, but it's about time, and I'm glad it's on your show. And I uh, just have to say the Enneagram has been life-changing for me, and I'm excited to chat about it. Whenever I get to chat with uh, Mike uh, Pacquion, who's been on the show, or other people about it, it just lights me up because it's just this language that we can all share with each other, uh, and, and that's what has ha- actually been really helpful for me and my wife in particular. So I'm sure we'll get into all that, but thank you again for having me on. Yeah, man. Well, let's start there. You you are a, a recent student of the Enneagram just the last few years. Mm-hmm. I, I know that it's made a difference in your life. Tell us about it. Yeah, actually, I went to Tennessee to visit my good buddy, Michael Hyatt, a mentor of mine, to film some course videos for his course. And while I was waiting and everybody was setting up, uh, they had just gotten involved with the Enneagram and they started sh- shouting numbers uh, at, each, at each other. You know, I'm a, a four with a, with a five wing and I'm, I'm just sitting there listening to them chat and I have no idea what they're talking about. I just, is this some video language that you're talking about? Like take four with a five wing on the second camera? They're like, right. this is, <laughs> this is Enneagram. Awesome. I'm like, what's Enneagram? And they're like, well, let it, let me tell you. They they pour into. I mean, we don't film for like two hours. They're telling me all about it, and I'm just fascinated because I can tell that it's actually made a difference in their lives, in their relationships, wow. and in their business. And and they've they've leaned into what they've now discovered uh, about themselves and about others. And so I started to examine it a little bit, and I started to read about it. And and you know, they started guessing what my number was. Like, oh, you must be a one, right, Pat? Because you always have everything aligned, it seems, and you have, probably have Excel files and all these sheets figured out, and you always follow the rules. 
And then somebody was like, no, 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 he doesn't always follow the rules. That's how he got here. He's probably a three because he's always like really good on camera and he works really hard on that. And then another person was like, no, they, he must be an eight because he's a challenger. And like he always challenges the status quo. And I'm like, well, that's not actually me. And so I was really curious. Well, what am I? You know, and, and, and I don't, I'm not normally somebody who's like, ooh, let me put myself into this bucket. I mean, I know a lot of people kind of don't want to do that, but I saw the impact it was having on Michael and his team and his family because he works with the family. Uh, so I really dove in hard and, and started to understand that. And I definitely landed on a three. Uh, and it was just very obvious to me that there were a lot of things that um, I needed to learn about myself so I can become a better version of myself uh, to uh, not just my audience and my business, but especially to my family and my kids. And then I uh, was able to get my wife interested in it as well. And she's very curious about this kind of stuff. And so when we aligned, and she is a six, by the way, um, became very apparent why we had certain arguments. Mm. It became mm. very apparent why we uh what we loved about each other and what we didn't like about each other and it gave us this common language to be able to say these things to go well here's what i need or here's how i feel and here's why and you can't be mad at another person when they tell them tell you about themselves in that way and you can work better together with them and so our, our relationship really changed as a result of this um wow. there are some specifics if you want me to get into it in terms of like real moments where me knowing she's a six for example um changed when i learned that i mean do you want me to get into the sure i love it because you know what we don't get fun we don't actually get many three six combinations no oh really yeah no i want to hear yeah give me an give us an example so me being a three and being an entrepreneur you know a lot of entrepreneurs are threes and i uh, had gotten a chance to speak on stage and of course, I went all in on it. The world needed to know that I was going to be the best speaker in the world. And I'm not by far, but that's how I approached it. I always approach everything in that way where I want to uh, be the one that people can remember and be the one that uh, people can feel like provides the most value and is, you know, recognition is really important to me because in my childhood, I wasn't recognized for a lot of the work that I was doing. So now that I'm mm -hmm. getting it, you know, I'm leaning into it. And so, of course, being a good husband, I want to invite my wife to a lot of these events with me. And for a while, like, she always... I was like, come on, get in here. Like, let's chat, let's talk, let's chat. Uh, and she was always on the outside, you know, just watching, never really wanting to pay attention. And I thought it was just simply because she was an introvert. Well, I'm an introvert too, but it was more so because of being a six and the fact that she has this barrier that she only lets a few people in. It takes a while to get across this barrier, but when you're in there, I mean, she will be loyal to you to the day she dies kind of, kind of thing. Mm. Or me, being a three, I'm like, hey, everybody, come here. Like, let's all hang out. And, and like, you're in my circle already. And it just, I didn't understand. Like, how come you're not getting in there? And it, we had a lot of, you know, quarrels about this. But when I understand that that's just not the nature of somebody who is built like this and who is a six, that I have to be very careful about who I actually let into her life. Mm -hmm. And I have to be careful about who I let into my life and into our own home. And I have to be very open with her about who might come into our home as a result if, if she hasn't met them before because of this. And I always thought it was just, well, you're, you're, you're such a worrier, right? And that's often a, a, a thing that sixes get. Oh, you worry too much, right? No, it's actually they care so much that is the reason, right? This is why they're often known as the, 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 the security inside the family, right? They're the people who make sure when you go to Disneyland that no, not you go on every ride, but you have the water, you have the sunscreen, you have all this stuff. Like she's there to protect you and she wanted to protect me and protect the family. So that's why I felt on my end, it was like, why are you pushing everybody away? 
but it was because she wanted to only let certain people in. And that understanding just really helped me understand that, wow, I was actually forcing her to make this tough decision. Do you come and support your husband, but also get put in these uncomfortable situations? Or can I understand that maybe I shouldn't invite her because that would put her in an uncomfortable situation. So that's just like a very clear, specific example of the three, six sort of dynamic working in that way. Mm -hmm. And then on the opposite side, it's like, because like from her perspective, it's like, wow, you got to like just impress everybody, don't you? Like that's how, that was like the negative version of like who I was before we had this common language. Um, and, it, and it was, I wanted to make sure everybody was happy and I said yes to everything and I was overworking myself, I was overwhelmed. And she gave me permission to say no. Mm-hmm. She gave me permission to say, hey, you know, I want you to be the best version of you and I know you want to please everybody, but if you are overwhelmed and you can't like take care of yourself, well, you're going to please nobody myself included like i need you to come back to earth here and we have this really beautiful balance now to try to stay on the positive side of our numbers to be able to 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 reciprocate and to you know be the best version for each other Mm, that's fantastic i love that you know uh one of the dynamics between a three and a six can be that the three uh typically is number one very optimistic Right about the future. You're very, very future oriented, and you're very yes. optimistic. I mean, I'm wearing a Back to the Future DeLorean T-shirt at this very moment. So yes, of course, DeLorean could have tried to be a little less optimistic about his future. Little, yes. <laughs> However, getting back to our, our the subject at hand, threes are very optimistic. They're very forward thinking, very confident. Sometimes, uh, well, many threes I know typically are pretty trusting of of other people in lots of different settings, not always. Mm -hmm. Sixes, not so much. Sixes tend to be more suspicious of people, particularly in the beginning. They're uncertain. They're kind of, sixes are always kind of wondering, what's this person's hidden agenda? Mm. Or what's the hidden agenda of this group? Uh, What do they really want from us, Mm -hmm. you know, or from me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they can be, they're, they're just not going to jump in as quickly as a lot of threes will, right? Exactly. Um, and um, there's that buzz of anxiety that, that's running beneath the surface in a way that just isn't for a three, you know? And there's another little common link too, right? Because a three goes to six in security and the six goes to three in stress, right? So there's another mm-hmm. sort of combination connection that they have with each other. Right. The six goes to nine in security right and then goes when it's not healthy it goes to the low side of three yeah when they're not doing great and when the three is doing great they go to the high side of six yeah. as you said or to the low side of nine when they're in right security yeah so you all are bouncing right. around inside yeah. that that inner triangle of of the enneagram and of course it can be a great combination when both of you are self-aware and it sounds like you're working on that and you're using the enneagram as a tool for uh, you know, mutual understanding, not only just self-understanding, but other understanding, and that is what it's all uh, about. All right, you mentioned, you didn't get a lot of, you know, we, you know, I'm a therapist. The show often sort of becomes a little bit of, of a therapeutic exercise. You mentioned not getting recognized a lot as a child, and I, I'm just mm-hmm. curious, how did your childhood support you becoming a three? Yeah, I, so it was interesting. I was born 11 pounds, 12 ounces. I was mm. a huge baby, right? And my mom is only 4'11", so physics Whoa. and geometry are out the window. Wow. There. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> physics wow. and geometry are out the window. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a big kid, and I thought I was going to be this big kid. Like we, I started playing uh, sports, and I was the biggest kid in, in sports in first and second grade. I was always you know, running the fastest and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden I stopped growing. 
and everybody else kept growing. Hmm. So to be like first on the team and first picked all the time to now being last pick a couple of years later in recess and at that time of life when you're between fourth grade and sixth and eighth, eighth grade, that's like when you learn about being social and you know there's clicks mm. and all this other stuff that can have an impact and all the hormones are changing and everything. I mean, there was just so much and it really put me in a position of, of not getting seen anymore mm. because everybody else was getting seen, especially with sports, um, especially with girls. I was always like, the cute one but not like the oh my god he's so cute like hot kind of cute i was like everybody wanted to pinch my cheeks kind of cute and it was just annoying um and so that that happened and so like i tried to do things like i tried to be funny to get attention because nobody was giving me attention otherwise and that i you know i wasn't very funny um thankfully i didn't go down any dark roads to try to get attention i just kind of said okay well you know what i'm I'm gonna do my best in school and i'm just gonna be the best in school and get recognized for my schoolwork. And that was also played to the fact that my father especially came from a traditional upbringing where school is everything, right? I mean, he graduated college when he was 18. They used to skip a lot of grades back in the day. Mm. And so math and science and all this stuff, and, and thankfully I was good at it. I wanted to impress him, and I was able to you know, graduate with a 4.22 grade point average, was recognized for that. I was always recognized as setting the bell curve in school uh, in classes, which maybe didn't have me in very well with the rest of my classmates, but you know that was what I could do. Um, so perfection became very, very important. Mm. And um, you know, graduating uh, high school and getting into college, I got into uh, marching band at uh, UC Berkeley, which was great. Uh, and and in there, that's when I started to get recognized for some talents that I had with related uh, with relation to music and standing out there. But again, just. Um, you know, that, that's when I think I realized that, like, I had the ability to have other people see what I have to offer them. Because before, I, I felt like I had so much to offer, but I had to play within the rules and confines of school be, to be able to be recognized. And I wasn't able to do it in sports anymore. But then growing up, you know, getting recognized in uh, the band, and I became student director. And then moving on to college, you know, I went and got this amazing job at an architecture firm in the Bay Area. And that's when it hit me. A lot of the stuff that I learned in school, like, didn't play any role in terms of my success as, as uh, a soon-to-be architect. In fact, I was working extra hard and overtime and taking tests and exams. And my project managers and the directors, no recognition whatsoever for any of that. And it was so hard. The more I pushed into how can I get recognized for this extra work that I'm doing, the more it was just like, okay, you're done with that. Let's move on to the next thing. And it didn't feel good because I felt a little bit of taste of recognition in college finally. And to go back to what it was like back in my elementary school days where I wasn't get re- getting recognized for anything, it was like, okay, well, this isn't working. And I'm so grateful that in 2008, I wasn't grateful at the time, but in 2008, I got let go from my architecture position. And that was a big blow. I, I didn't have a plan B because I was doing everything I could to stay uh, afloat and, and do well even through the recession. And, and yet still I got let go. And you know, months went by where I was just doing everything I could to make my resume look the best as far as like what words can I use and what, what things from my childhood could I bring in here to make it look even better because I need a job in the architecture world. That's all I knew. And thankfully I stumbled into the world of, of internet business and, archi- and, and entrepreneurship and my first business was helping architects who still had a job pass uh, an exam called the LEAD exam. And this was life-changing for me because it was at this point that I realized that I got more recognition helping people pass a very niche exam in the architecture industry as opposed to all the fingerprints I have on all the buildings in the United States that I worked on. And I was getting uh, people telling me their life stories. I was just helping them pass an exam, but I was able to help them 
get a job or get a, a raise or um, make more money or get a promotion. And I was getting so much recognition for that in this little space that I just leaned into that so much. And that really enforced the three and the fact that, wow, I do have value to provide and I can get recognized for that. And it feels so, so good. And so I always come from a place now of serve first. That's sort of my mantra. And as much as I am you know, out there and putting myself out there and on YouTube and on podcasts and, and uh, you know, thousands of episodes and I'm on stage now, as long as I know that I'm approaching it with a serve first attitude, it always comes back to serve me back. Mm-hmm. It's when I've fallen to those dark parts of the three, which is, oh, I want to look as great as possible to people, or I'm going to say I'm going to do this because that's what they want to hear, but then I'm just so busy saying yes all the time, I don't follow through. That's when it started to sort of kick me in the butt and start mm-hmm. to you know bring reality back into place. So, um, you know, I've fallen into dark places in the business space where I've taken, uh, you know, I've, I've said yes to opportunities that were for money first before service, and those always blew back up in my face. I have. Um, said yes to people that I've let down because I just wanted to make sure they all were happy. Like those are the dark threes that I've lived through and I'm still continuing to live through and learn as I go. But I, I feel like in this current state and time, I've, I've found a good place. And, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with, uh, with, with how I got here, obviously this, and, and the story that I once told myself, uh, that I had to be perfect in every single way to now the story is I can serve people through my mess and, and mistakes as long as I'm open and, and honest. Hmm. So when you say perfect, do you mean because uh, that that's very one-ish? You know, I'm wondering if if the word there isn't excel in every way. Because mm. now can, now one better. threes yeah threes can be perfectionists. I'm not saying they don't have a perf- they can have a but for very different reasons than a one does, right? Uh, the the perfectionism would be re- tied to excelling. Right, mm-hmm. like I want to do things really, really well because it's going to serve my, uh, my, my to my success. Right. Whereas for a one, it would be more like because it's the right thing to do. Right. Good people uh, do things. Don't make mistakes. Good people do things right the first time. I understand uh, now. All that yeah. kind of stuff. But I, you know, you've, you know, the word recognition came up about fifty times in what you just said. Right. And I'm just curious, what does recognition represent for you? When you think about your childhood, you think about your life, like what does it represent to you? It represents self-worth. It mm. represents importance and having uh, – and existing, honestly. Like mm. my nightmare mm. is to die and not be remembered mm. for anything special that I've done, right? Mm. Um, to have my kids just – move on with their lives and not, um, you know, learning anything from anything that I'm doing. So, so legacy, um, recognition is, is how I know that I'm doing the right things. Um, and I know that's the story I tell myself, but to me, that's what has helped me excel, uh, into great parts of, of this world and to be able to, uh, you know, yes, make a lot of money. Yes. Get a lot of recognition, but also be, somebody who's literally changed people's lives and, and is recognized for that, right? And, you know, I always tell people that people are like, how do you measure your success, Pat? And for me, my measure of success, I'm going to turn the camera just a little bit for those who can't see. I'm pointing to a wall of thank you notes that I collect from my audience. Hmm. This I look at when I'm down, when I'm not feeling like I have value to share or I'm stuck in the middle of a project or a book. I look at this wall and go, wow, look at all the people who have already thanked me for what I've done. There are people whose lives have changed, who are now able to spend more time with their kids, 
And that makes me so, so fulfilled on the inside that I know that I can't stop or that I won't give up because I would be letting down those who have yet to write me that thank you note. And no, not everybody writes me a thank you note, but that's my barometer for uh, for success is that, not the money or the, the, the fame. Those things come as a result of those things. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to push into you a little bit. Push it. Because okay? that's, that's what we do here. Um, just to, I can see some of the benefits to, to what you're saying, but I see some potential pitfalls, and I'm just curious how you're navigating them. So when you say that recognition is tied to self-esteem, mm-hmm. part of where I could see that having a negative effect in one's life is you've placed a lot of power into other people's hands, right? Uh, if others don't recognize you, and that then creates uh, – you know, in you, a, a crisis of self-esteem that might be overstated, but mm-hmm. that's a lot of power you've turned over to other people. Has hasn't that come back to bite you before? It has in different ways. You know, I've uh, partnered with people who perhaps were taking advantage of just how much I've put into them in terms of trust and whatnot. There was a moment in 2010 where my business partner on a project came out and basically told the world on his YouTube channel that he was lying about everything and all the numbers that he was sharing and and whatnot without even telling me this uh, until after the fact. And then I just came down along with it because I was his partner and I felt betrayed. I felt lost. I felt like I was drowning. And then, of course, I was getting a lot of that negative shrapnel coming in as a result of the work that he was doing because of our association together. And I I trust I it's like I trust people maybe a little bit too quickly. I think you, you'd even mentioned that about threes earlier. Um, but then as far as like group recognition or an audience, you know, this world that we live in today with the audience listening right now with the ability to share a tweet and see the number of hearts that come in within the first hour, there are moments where I go, like I'll, I'll, I'll post something on Instagram and it doesn't get as many likes as my other stuff. And I go, wow, maybe that wasn't as important as I thought it was. Or, whoa, I'm not getting a lot of recognition for that. And then I have to catch myself because there are moments where I just spiral into maybe the last post was my last best one. Maybe I'm done. Maybe it's over and other people are going to come and take my place in this space to help and serve my audience. But then I have to recognize that it's not like a poker table where when somebody else wins, that means somebody else loses. I mean, that's the big thing that I see is the fact that there's just more chips coming in all the time. There's more people to serve and we can all benefit. I try to stay in this in this world of abundance and that, you know, that helps me back come back to where it was, but you're right. I think that there's definitely danger in still like what if I invented the cure for cancer and helped a lot of people but just didn't get recognized for it? Would I how would I feel about that? Part of me goes, "Well, I would do everything I could to make sure that my name was on it, but at the same time, that's not the right thing to do in that case. Mm-hmm. It's making me think. Yeah. Well, that's that's what the Enneagram is designed to do. I think I think it, it should make us stop and think, right? Um, you know, I think that uh, another thing that, that you mentioned is uh, that success equals gratitude, right? And I think there's a good side to that, right? I, I mean, I think when people are grateful, it could be an indication that you have uh, done something worthy of of you know, giving your life to, and that there, mm-hmm. there is some modicum of success in that. But again, I just wonder if that's just putting so much power into other people's hands. You know, I just think about people who, like in a perfect world, wouldn't you want to do something for someone else 
and ex- experience the joy of its impact on them regardless of whether or not they saw it and expressed gratitude for it. Yes. I mean, I have been... Yeah, it's interesting because even my wife will point out that when I do something, I have to make sure sometimes that people know that it was me that did it. Mm-hmm. Like, can I just give a gift and let it be and not yeah. try to take credit for it? Which I know also from her childhood, like those bring up things that her parents did that like they always did things for her, but they actually weren't for her. They were for her parents kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so like she's been able to point that out with me and the fact that that triggers her helps me understand more about, well, there is danger in that for others and, and myself. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yes, I have done charitable work and I have, you know, put anonymous on the thing. And I think in my head, part of it is like, yeah, see, I am doing that. I am, I am charitable and helping people and not asking for recognition. But at the same time, I almost feel like I'm purposefully doing that to make a statement about the fact that I'm not, that I'm mm-hmm. okay not getting recognized for it, which then actually is the opposite because I'm still getting recognition for the act of not getting recognition for it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and, yeah, exactly. I mean, the ego is tricky, right? It it can, it can be a a little bit of a sneak, you know? Uh, And, and so, you know, keeping our eye on it with self-compassion, you know, and kindness, uh, threes aren't necessary. Yeah, no, I think like, um, no, thank you too. And and, and thank you on behalf of people who are listening. I I appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty as we have the conversation, you know, Mm. Um, because it's interesting Riso and Hudson, who are big names in the Enneagram world, would say that the basic fear of that of the three is really um, fearing that they don't have value or significance in the world, mm-hmm. right? Now, if that's a core fear for you, just keeping your eye on it all the time, you know? Like, the ability to say to yourself, you know, um, my value, I cannot de- derive my value from what from from the recognition I receive from other people. Because the day may come, man, like, like, like you're going to be 70 one day or 80 one day, and there's going to be a trickle of those notes coming in. You know what I mean? Like compared to what it is maybe now, right? Um, however it goes. And, and so if you tether your value to that kind of stuff, you're kind of mm-hmm. screwed. You know what I mean? Down the road. It, yeah. And so beginning now to work on realizing that you know what, my, rec- my value and significance as a human being is tied to no other thing except the fact that um, I as a human being have value apart from anything I do in terms of being successful or, or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, how does that land with you? You know, my initial thought when you were telling me that when I'm 80 or 70, there's going to be a trickle of them, my initial thought was, no, there's going to be more. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. But that's like where my head went, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I'm very curious about because now it's like a challenge. And I love stepping up to the challenge. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, what if the internet stopped, right? And I don't want to be wearing headsets in the metaverse. And like, that's the only way to get recognition is in the metaverse or wherever. Um, then where is my self worth? Mm-hmm. And so I love what you're saying about this mantra or, or, or affirmation, if you will, that can help me sort of remember that and counter that. And, and as far as practicing that, I mean, it's very easy to just say it, but how do you, how do you embody something like that that is uh, seemingly a counter to how you've believed you've 
become to be in the story that you're telling uh, about yourself today? How does one mm. practice and embody that? You know, it's a great question. And, and I, you know, you're actually tapping into, right, the subject of my new book, The Story of You. Like, how do we rewrite an old narrative? And it sounds mm. to me like your old story, right, growing up. All right, let's just play with it for a second. So if you had to title the story of your early life, right, as if it were your memoir, right? And here we've got a kid that is smaller than others, that is hungry for recognition to be seen, to be valued, to be significant, uh, to belong. That Am I hitting a lot yeah. of the themes here? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I, I was in, like, thankfully I had a good set of friends, but they were all tall. Mm. So they invited me on the basketball court to play. Mm-hmm. But I never got past the ball. I never right. got a chance to shoot. I was mm-hmm. on the court with everybody, but I never played a, a, a game of basketball in my life back then, really. Right. So like lots of threes, you had what I would call a deficit around esteem and approval, right? It's like there just wasn't enough esteem and approval. Now, you may have had safety and security, a sense of mastery in your work and all that stuff, but it sounded like eh, not enough esteem and approval, mm. right? You want to hear um, a quick story? Sure, I bring it. would often come home from school with a 97% of my math test. I tell this story on my podcast quite often. And my dad would go, well, what happened to the other, the other 3%? And Boom. we would work for hours. <laughs> we would work for hours on the 3%. And it was like death to me. It was the oh. worst time. Like I was just so frustrated. And like, you know, he's a wizard at math. So, you know, I was just, what about the 97% mm-hmm. that I got right? I didn't get any recognition or approval from a person in my life who I loved. I love my dad, by the way. He's still with us, and he's awesome. We get coffee every once in a while. Um, But that pushed me to excel more so that I don't have to have those conversations with him anymore. Right. Classic diagram for the making of a three. That is the classic (laughs) making story of a three, right? Because the message, one of the mistaken beliefs that continues to fuel the lie story, right? The false Mm. story of the three is uh, that I am not, uh, I am what I do, not what I am, right? Like it's all about achievement. It's all about performing. And in a way, Pat, let me throw this out at you. Is it possible that in the back of your mind, there's this kind of unconscious question as you think about your dad in the world that may be running a lot of the time, which is, do you love me yet? Do you see me yet? Do you recognize me yet? Um, does that question lurk in the background for you? It had for a very long time. For okay. a very, very long time. And what's interesting is I remember when I got let go, I went to my dad. He knows everything, right? And he said, oh, well, this is, you know, we're going to make the best of this. It's too bad, but the economy. Uh, This is a perfect time to go back to school to get your graduate's degree. And he was right. I could have done that. And then I could have come out the recession, an even better architect, uh, higher, you know, looking resume, higher pay, et cetera. But I, it wasn't like standing up to him, but I basically said, no, I don't want to go down that route. I did everything perfect. And yet I still got let go. Something is wrong here. And so I went into the entrepreneur world. And I remember going to my dad and say, said, hey, I'm going to build this website to help people and whatnot. And he's like, okay, well, we'll see how long that lasts, you know, but, you know, you can always go back to school kind of thing. And it wasn't until I started um, the blog that many people know me from now, which is called Smart Passive Income, where I talk about my businesses and I show people how I build them and what goes well and what doesn't go well. 
uh, one day my dad uh, came to me and he was like, hey, did you see that comment on your blog? And I was like, which one? And he started mentioning the comment and what it said. And then he, I was like, wait, you read my blog? And he's like, yeah, I've read every single post. Wow. I just am so proud of what, you bail, what you've built. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me that in person <laughs> and not have to wait till I see that you're reading my comments now? Um, I just think he, he's not an emotional person, right? He's never said sorry, and he doesn't tell me he loves me, but he shows it now, and, and, and I understand that from the actions that he takes and the fact that he wants, wants to get coffee. Like, that to me is his, I love you language, and I've, I've been okay with that. Mm-hmm. But you're right. That question was there for a very long time. And I think no matter how evolved and self-aware we become, those questions and those mistaken beliefs get so deeply ingrained in us as little people, you know, and so grooved into our psyches that I don't know if we ever rinse them out completely. And mm-hmm. that we kind of lapse into the old story if we're not careful, if we're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know, we can find ourselves uh, caught up in the trance of, you know, I got to succeed. I got to appear successful. I, I've got to avoid failure at all costs. I've got to win recognition. I have to be seen. Uh, I have to be admired the moment I walk off that stage, you know, because I like I have a three friend of mine. He says, sometimes I used to catch myself walking around a party or after a performance, he was a big speaker. Mm. And he said, it just seemed to me that I was, on, I was without words walking around to everybody, looking in their eyes, asking the question, do you like me yet? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have questions coming out of childhood about whether or not anyone is going to ever see you, recognize you, love you, admire you, do all that stuff. And then your life goes into overdrive and you're driven by the dictates of that mm-hmm. accursed belief, right? You know, Pat, what, if, like, would you believe it if I was a, a good friend of yours and I, I said to you, Pat, I can love you for who you are and have and not for what you've accomplished, how much you've made, no matter what you've done. None of that stuff matters to me. I, I just love you for your soul, for who you are as a human being. Could you receive that and really believe it? I don't think I could fully receive it, no. Mm. Mm. I think most of us can't, mm-hmm. but I think it's a particular challenge for threes. Mm-hmm. Because they've tethered so much of their identity to their accomplishments, Right to their my, performance. My, my response would be, "Why? Like, what is there about me if I'm not doing anything? Like, why would you? Why? <laughs> you know, I would question that." Okay, so I would recommend maybe as a, if I were your therapist or your spiritual director, you know, or something you are right like now. that. I am right now, <laughs> and the clock's running. I got the meter on. There will be a bill involved. But listen to me. If, if one of the things I'd ask you to do is to sit down and write out why people could love you apart from anything you do or that you've accomplished or that you've attained uh, or for any good works you've done for whatever. Like, why? Like, it'd be a great question for your wife, like to sit down and go, why would someone love me apart from what I do and what I've accomplished? Can you just tell me what you think, honey? Why? Uh, Because I think that question is so important to the transformation of the three Mm -hmm. story, you know? Uh, and I, this this conversation excites me. Totally. Can right? I interject something yes, here? Yes, please. So as a four, I had a hardcore three wing in my twenties and my thirties, and I'm saying this as a uh, from a per, from a place of you know a person of faith. But <clears throat> I used to the way I would phrase it is I would live in hopes of being known or live in hopes of being seen. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know what? I I will always derive part of my identity from what I do. 
uh, always you, you can't separate yourself from that. But there has to be something that is central and core to me that far exceeds that, um, that identifies who I am. And for me, I found that, you know, a practice of meditation um, and contemplation uh, with God and sitting in a place of continually being seen and being known there. And that, allowed, that freed me from that sort of uh, claw where I eventually was able to really, and as a performer, because I was a performer at this time, and I would be able to go out instead of trying to do things to get that admiration that you were talking about, Ian, mm-hmm. after doing something, I was able to really freely uh, and altruistically live from a place of being known or seen and just give away what I had, the, you know, the art that I had, as opposed to really getting on stage and asking for something or living in hopes of, oh my gosh, you know, I hope you see what I'm doing and, and, and therefore I drive value from your admiration. But that was a game changer for me. And it was like a daily practice that eventually worked its way into my soul, you know, but, mm. but helped me transition from that, the tight grip that that sort of three part of me had on me. It's mm. good, man. Yeah. Thank you for that. I like that. All right, here's a question I ask a lot of people, Pat, on the show. Yeah. Are you are you in therapy right now? I'm not, but I'm very close to um, potentially receiving it. I've had this stigma about it for a very long time that, oh, you only go if something's wrong with you. But I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of analogies to, well, you get your car maintained, right, so that it doesn't break down. You know, you go to the gym and eat healthy so that you live longer and don't break down. And I think the same thing can be done to our minds, uh, not just the things we have or our physical being. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, not currently. Uh, well, maybe, yes, at this very second from you, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it is something I'm exploring. And I have a lot of friends who've said so many amazing things about it. And I'm, I, I am removing that stigma very quickly. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this question then what is the pain point at this moment that you're going to lead with when you go into that person's office Ooh, that's a good because they're going to ask you so what brings you here today i put so much of my self-worth and value into how others see me how do i disconnect my own self-worth and value with what others do and how do i personally see that there's value that i could offer without that recognition required mm-hmm. that's Beautiful. i think i think i would start there most mm-hmm. likely um and start to analyze hopefully or get analyzing uh, to just figure out well what about me that's awesome that's n- not based on a stat or a skill or or, or any, like w- what is it about me that mm. is of value that people could just connect with despite the accolades and you know without any accreditation mm-hmm. um and i can already hear like a little bit of what my wife would say which is mm-hmm. really nice to even like consider that and i, and I do want to have this conversation with her but what would she you know, say she would say well you help us look forward to the things that are coming in the future no matter how crazy the world is right i i, I have a, i always have a well what does this make possible situation hmm. that's uh, a mike hyatt to, right there that's a mike hyatt question literally quoted from michael hyatt yes <laughs> what does this make possible yes um to just i i can i can i can see and fix a problem and speak a language that somebody can understand to help them do that hmm. um i can 
find ways to have fun with anything that's around us. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, that is an only child uh, skill that I picked up. Um, and there's probably more way deep in the, in oh, the yeah. archives. Oh, yeah. And, and here's the thing. I'm going to have you back on the show in a year. After that's you've what been I'm through thinking. A year of therapy. We're going to get you back on the show. I cannot okay. wait yeah. to hear about the, some of the revelations you've had as a, as a three. And I'm going to give you a piece, if it's okay, I hate advice, but let me just give you a piece of advice I've given other threes when they've gone into therapy. Is this your first time going into therapy? It is. Okay, cool. All right. So here's the temptation most threes have. And I've seen this as a therapist. I've had other therapists share this with me. Your default, if you were just to go in reflexively, right, and act reflexively, your tendency will be to look into the eyes of the therapist and unconsciously ask yourself, what, who do I have to become in this moment to make this person like me? How do I, what do I have to say to this therapist to make them admire to me. To get their admiration. To get, yeah. yeah, to win, to have them think I'm, I'm the best. I am going to be the best client they've ever had in their entire lives. I'm gonna, <laughs> I am going to be the most successful patient ever for this person. And then the danger for the three is, is that they kind of turn on the chameleon thing where mm-hmm. it's like they're like, okay, well, what mask do I need to put on to make this guy or this woman think I'm awesome, right? And... Um, you know, that's a temptation. And, you know, we had a guy on the show who actually talked about this. It was Propaganda, maybe? Mm-hmm. Or the oh. Cray? Who was it? that Propag- we? Both of those guys did, actually. They both did. They talked about his threes going into yeah. a, a therapy session and at first kind of just telling the therapist what they thought the pe- therapist wanted to hear yeah. from them in order to win the therapist's admiration. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So the thing I would tell you is do as, as hard. In fact, the thing you ought to do in the first session is tell them that you're afraid that's what you're going to do. That's great. Something else that they could go, he could go in with that would be uh, something really uh, great thing to go in with is something you were posing to him earlier, but I think we moved away from it, naming his old story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're about to ask him that question, but I think it... Yeah, I was going to thank you for revisiting that with uh, me. Yeah. So what would the name of that early childhood story be? The Boy Who Wasn't Good Enough. Oh. So that's a great thing to go into therapy with. Oh my lord, that is such a three title, right? Yeah, I've been in book wow. mode, so titles are like, and you know, YouTube and all that stuff. So titles yeah. are, are a thing for me. But that's, I think that would sum it up. Okay, let me just tell you what happened to me when you said that. I uh, first of all, I have to say that in that moment, a little piece of my heart broke when you said it, hmm. which really tells me there's some truth in it you know like i just kind of wanted to go oh pat i'm sorry that's hard thank you that's a that's a that's a painful story to to grow up with so my question for you now would be what do you what would you like the name of your new story to be as a three Uh, the man who was always good enough. Boom. I think that's it. Hmm. Now, as you said that, did you feel anything? Oh yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some high chest and and throat things going on right now, and um, there are some things happening in the nasal region for mm, sure. Yeah. So, I would encourage you to get. Two post-its, 
And one would be the name of the old story, and one would be the name of the new. Yeah, I know. You got post-ups. I can see it. Those of you who can't see this on YouTube, he's got (laughs) post-its up everywhere. And just put it somewhere you can see it. Like, put those two titles down, man, and say, this is the old story. This is the new story. And then maybe at some point in the future, journal about what is the, what would the new story look like? What would be some of the features of it? It would be like, yeah, I would no longer tie my self-worth to what other people think of me. Uh, I will no longer, you know what I mean? Like just begin to articulate, okay, what is this new story about? You know, what, 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 who's this person that I want to become in mm-hmm. this new story that, that has all my values aligned? You and know? as a three... I mean, I think you just gave him something invaluable to go into therapy with those two titles. Mm-hmm. So he had a conversation yeah. with someone and yeah. this is what I came away with. Yeah. I've loved this episode. Absolutely. This has been like one of the so best good. three episodes go. ever. <laughs> Thank you, you know yes. what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it, see, you, now you're tapping into the recognition that I love woo-woo. Teresa. Like, look at that. I was Pat, thinking that you. as I said it. Pat, this is the best three Pat, Pat just, ever. Pat, Pat just said, boom, mission, mission <laughs> accomplished, right? No, man. No, it, drop the mic. No, actually, that's really, that's actually, actually a really good insight. Uh, but I think that it's been so powerful for me because your story is so quintessential three. And I think it was so instructive for for so many of of our listeners, and I, I guess I would I would also say that um, I I hope that you will come back on and and share what the journey's been like. We can we need to put it on the calendar. Tell Wendy we got to wait Let's six six months to a year and do it again. Pat, you got so many cool things going on. Tell everybody. I mean, in a brief praises, what it is you yeah. do, but we will have, we've said it in the, inter- in the introduction, but you know, you, you elaborate and then how they can learn more about you. Thank you uh, both so much. And, and for that uh, therapy session uh, free of charge, uh, which, uh, and, and I would love to come back, Ian and, and Anthony, and, and be here to take you along the journey and, and see what opens up for me. I'm really excited. Uh, I do a lot of things. Like you said, I have a podcast. Since you're listening to a podcast, that might be the easiest thing to check out. It's called the Smart Passive Income Podcast, and we teach entrepreneurs how to uh, be the best versions of themselves and serve their audience the best. Uh, we also have a lot of uh, educational material on how to start things like a podcast, a business, and affiliate marketing, email marketing, all that kind of stuff over at smartpassiveincome.com and then a YouTube channel at Pat Flynn. Um, I'm also an author. I have uh, some books. One, My latest one called Superfans uh, is doing really well right now. I'm very excited about that. Um, I am an inventor. I have an invention. I have a tripod called the SwitchPod that was invented, and that's been a fun project and a case study for the entrepreneurial thing that's kind of taken off recently. Cool. Um, I also recently started a Pokemon YouTube channel, uh, hobby and uh, hobby based, and it's just blown up and taken off. Also, uh, and 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 we're doing some fun things there, and that's cool because I can help families get closer uh, with this fun world of cardboard and cartoons. Um, yeah, and I'm just I'm just so grateful to to be here and speaking with you, and and hopefully this is of value to everybody because that's that would make me feel great. Uh, but then that'll be the last time I say that <laughs> for right now. Well, <laughs> Pat, this has been a delight. Everything that others have told me about you over the course of the years have not only you have you have exceeded uh, their their enthusiasm about who you are as a person, and uh, I look forward to. I hope I hope we get a chance to meet in person one day. I need I to. So. Don't you have like courses and stuff that you do like live stuff don't you do live trainings as well yeah we have some of those as well we take our digital courses and put them into a four to six week person like boot camp that's done you know twice a week on zoom and we coach you and and walk you through that process but i mean honestly i mean 
I'm sure we'll get to a place where we're close in proximity, and I'd love to to share a meal and, and share more stories with y'all. Mm-hmm. Come to Nashville, yeah. Mike and I, Mike Hyatt and I will take you out for a big old, <laughs> oh, that'd be great, big old steak. Actually, I'm do vegan, you fish? but I do love to fish, fly fishing, okay. and let's uh, go. Are, ooh, ooh, we can do that. Wait a minute, didn't you go on a trip with Mike? Yeah, we went to uh, Snake River up in Idaho and and had a great time uh, up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and it was just. Three Very days. Cool. Wait a minute. I think nature. I was invited on one of those trips and I couldn't go. <laughs> See, you're missing out. Gosh darn it! Oh well. Well, maybe Pat, we set one up. <laughs> Pat, it's been a delight to have you on. Everybody, uh, we're talking with my friend Enneagram Three, Pat Flynn. It's been an incredibly instructive and and valuable conversation. And I want to say to all of my typology listeners, my friends, may you have love, may you have joy, may you have peace, may you have healing, may you have rest. Until next time. If you're in business, you probably have a website, but can your site handle your growth? How many visitors before your site slows down or crashes? What about storage and data security? From web hosting to virtual servers, Pair Networks provides the online infrastructure you need to start, grow, and flourish. When it comes to security and updates, don't worry, we've got you covered. Our 24-7 U.S.-based customer support is the best in the industry. No frustrating chatbots or sitting on hold for hours. Check out Pair.com today to learn more. That's P-A-I-R dot com.